Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. start every Sunday um, uh, with a scripture. Uh, and so this is out of Psalm 1. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in season and its leaves does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the shave, chafe, that the, chef, it's a soft chef, like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. Um... So I just want to share like a really quick story. Um, so yesterday, um, so about two years ago, my mom got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And um, again, which is super painful, really tough on the family. And, um, but it was really cool because I was reading over this scripture this week. And like just thinking about someone who, you know, is planted by streams of living water. I've just watched her walk that out for two years. You know, it was just this, this place of, you know, when you're planted in that, it's not something that you can do. All you can do is just stand and be able to receive that nourishment, you know. Uh, even in just those painful moments or when things are great, emotions are high and low, it's, it's still like where you're planted. Um, but it was really cool because uh, yesterday she, and some of you might have seen it, but uh, she sent me this picture of this cake um, and it said, I'm still here. And it was a celebration of like two years with her uh, just continuing, you know, to just walk out her healing when she was given like eight months. Um, so it's just like, obviously that's like just a celebration just in general, you know, of just of watching her walk that out. But again, it, it, it's not just the circumstance of, um, like of her being healed, which is amazing. But it, it's again, it's just watching her walk through that journey of just continuing to stay planted. And so, like, I just wanted to, I wanted to say that because I wanted to, 
like for people who are experiencing like pain or experiencing just those a tough season or a great season, again, it's it's the place of being nourished. It's just the place of being still. It's the place of just receiving that love and that comfort. I mean, that's one thing that our families just continue to say is like, God, just be near us. You know, healing and everything we we want to continue to contend for, but just be near. And so, and he's been that consistent. Like we felt that from the beginning. And that's, that's the promise. That's the laws of the Lord, right? To love God with all your heart, soul, strength, love people, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the place that we stand. So, yeah, I just want to pray into that. So God, I just thank you so much. God, I thank you for healing. I thank you for breakthrough. But Lord, I thank you that you've given us a place by the river to be just firmly planted, God, that again, that we can just stand and receive if we're hurting, God, that again, that we can just receive that comfort of your Holy Spirit. Yeah, God, Lord, we just ask that, Lord, just release hope today. Release just a hope in all of our circumstances, all of our situations. Lord, release a prophetic hope to where it's not just something that you know, we're, we're hoping for, but we can't really grab onto. It doesn't feel tangible, God. But again, that you give us vision to be able to see what hope really looks like, God. That we just cling to you in this. So, Lord, even as we just worship today, God, we just, again, we draw near to you. We just exalt you, Jesus. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you for how constant you are. And you are truly welcome in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into a time of prayer, guys. And this is the hope, right? That Jesus Christ, and we bring this hope to the nations. So let us pray in hope for the body of Christ, the church, its members. It's mission that we as a body would be faithful to the gospel and faithful to the message of Christ to the world. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president. We pray for our governors, our Senate, our judges, all those in authority in our nation. We ask that they would rule with wisdom and justice, that they would look out for the common good of all people. We pray for the, the world and what is happening in the world, and we intercede for the welfare of the world. And if you guys will just participate and call out things that we um, need God to intervene on. Yeah, and um, we were saying this morning how the hope of God makes us bold, right? Let's go boldly to the throne of grace and say, God, will you move justly in our world? Let's not be shy in this place, guys. Call out in boldness the things we want God to do in the world around us, right? It's not just about us gathering in here and having a good old time, which is important, but it is in here, in worship, that our mission is birthed. We have got to be passionate about what is happening in the world around us. So let's lift up these concerns boldly because of the hope we have in Christ. Will you call out some of the concerns of our local community? Yes. Yes. God, we lift up those who suffer and those in trouble. Those who are experiencing physical pain, 
emotional pain, mental pain, who are barely hanging on and who in this moment feel totally hopeless. We contend for them and we intercede for them. And if you are feeling a sense of hopelessness this morning, will you just open up your palms or raise your hands? And Jesus, will you pour out a reminder of this living hope? Will you move in a just and faithful way in our community and in our world? Will you allow us to snuggle up against you and not resist? Will you hold those close this morning who need to be reminded that there is a hope? And would we be courageous and bold in the way that we proclaim hope to the world around us? In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen. Amen. All right. So, Father, I just pray that during these next um, few minutes, you would just allow the heart of this content and the Holy Spirit to speak deeply into the hearts of the people that need to hear why Peter wrote this to a community of people in 60-something A.D., struggling, being persecuted, but also just giving Jesus to the city they lived in in such a beautiful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just for you guys to know, for clarity's sake, it's about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the reason why this book is written, just to recap, is because they were a community that was sharing like Acts 2.42 through 47, which you all know. And I'm just going to bring this up because this was kind of the markings of an early church. This was what you would say a thriving and healthy church looked like after Jesus had given his Holy Spirit and the church in Acts was growing. And this is a part of what we call living in love. So this is how we get our tenant living in love or these things. That day about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple. A lot of people don't really realize that's a part of the first century Christian church. They still did practices that were rhythmatic. And they had meals at home. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful. They praised God. People in general liked what they saw. I love that. I love that Eugene Peterson twist. And people in general liked what they saw. <laughs> Every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. And my, my dream of church growth is God adding and not us creating a creative way to attract that's my dream. I've still not seen it. I'm praying into it deeply. But to see him add people to that, to see him add people to our body, and I want to be healthy in that. But that's what the, earth, the early church was right there. That was how it was starting. And then comes Nero, who comes in, and we've already talked about this a few weeks ago, and he decides to burn the city down because he wants to rebuild it, and he gets in a lot of trouble for it, so he starts to blame the Christians the scapegoats. Christians start to receive 
a lot of persecution because of this, and he actually is someone who helps set the persecution up. It's a way to get it off him and on them. So like I've mentioned, I'm going to keep mentioning this, they would burn Christians at the stake to light events. They would put the skins of dead animals on Christians and set them loose to be eaten by other animals, and it was just something people watched. This was the persecution that was happening in this century, but they still kept at it. In fact, it helped them give this message to the people that needed it. They were willing to die. They were being led to the slaughter like sheep, but they were also more than conquerors. I just talked about this with Chris, like this paradox, like we are more than conquerors while being led like sheep to be slaughtered. Doesn't even make sense, but this like paradigm is in this church. And so this community has gathered around, and the part here I want to just tap into for a second is the apostles' teaching. So it's not just this idea you kind of show up and hang out and... um, you just hang out and it's good, right? Like you just talk about like the lumineers and like it's just great, right? Like, um, and I love just hanging out. Like you just don't just, just fantasy football. And the idea is that you gather around and there's such a strong core of teaching happening in this first century church that, there, and there's, there's no Bible, there's no New Testament Bible. So they're gathering around the apostles' teaching, right? Which would, would later be formed in the Apostles' Creed. But these teachings were teachings about Jesus. And so the apostles were sharing these things that happened that, that became the fruit of what the Old Testament was looking for. So they would just share these all the time. Every day they were talking through it. They were reading the passages from the Old Testament and talking about how Jesus came and did what he did. Reading the passages from the Old Testament and talking how Jesus came to fulfill those things. Continually, continually, continually. So for you to know, though, the Apostles' Creed was written... A little later, and this is what the thought was behind the Apostles' Creed. So, and if you want to just know, like, if you want to sink your teeth into or your fist around, what is it we lay claim to? What is it that we want to kind of stand on? The Apostles' Creed is one of those things for me and for Sarah. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Pause. There's a lot of theological debate on this part. The word here, and this is what we're preaching on next week, is taken from the word Hades, which is not the fiery place that you're thinking of. It's an actual place that they had in their minds, the place of the dead. So the idea here is that Jesus is able to penetrate into anything to go after someone. Anything! Any death, anything, right? The idea, so don't get so focused on like picture of Jesus going down into hell and like, it's not what, that's not what this is, right? This is Jesus descended into the depths and he still can't, right? Amen. All right. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. So, when we talk about what they were gathering around, this is what they were gathering around. And it was important that they could explain it, but this passage that we're about to read isn't just about how they explain it. It's about how they live while explaining it. And this is huge. Because they know what they believe. And they love Jesus, and they know that he's like, this is going to be about love. But if we're them, we're starting to ask questions like, is there like lines where 
we stop some of this because this is, this is literally painful. This isn't just hard like our hardships where we might not get a raise or we lose our job. This kind of hardship, comparatively speaking, and this isn't to demean ours because ours are real. They're in our framework. But the framework here compared to ours are people might die tonight. You might go to the store to get eggs, milk. I don't know. I don't know anything about like they're that. And on the way back, they might hear that you're a Christian and you might say, yes, I believe and profess in the name of Jesus over and above Caesar. And you might die that day. So when they're talking through, all right, I understand that you're telling us to go love people, but are there lines? Like in that setting, do you want us to just run into the woods? Like if we see somebody coming and they look like they're coming to ask us, do we believe, do we just take off? Those are, that's the questions I'm asking, right? I'm not like running into Roman soldiers like, hey guys, how you doing? You guys want to hear about something? You want to hear about Jesus Christ? No, that's not what's happening. They're asking tough questions like we do in our stuff. Where do we stop this? Like, who do I stop loving? Who am I, where do I draw the line on the things that I'm supposed to do? What are the lines? When people join churches, a lot of times that's one of the first things that they want to ask from Sarah and I. What are your hard lines? Right? And that's what I think they're asking here. Because their life literally depends on it. So we're going to read this. And also the thing that happens in in persecuted environments or when things are just hard, and you already know this because you have a life and you live it and it's hard at times. When that's happening, it's almost impossible to be in community. When there's so many things weighing you down, it just is like people's annoying things are more annoying. Loud kids are even louder. We love loud kids, by the way. Any loud kids? Your own kids are beautiful and happy and never have never fought once. When you're not at a space where things are clicking like that you think they should, everything is hard. Community especially. Loving someone who's unlovable? Like if you're full on as good as you can be with Christ, that's still hard. When life is not, when you add an element of suffering, whether it's physical ailment, mental, spiritual, whether it's a financial element, add those, that's when it's like the brother to brother stuff or love one another stuff is like, where are the lines here? Because I, I don't know if you've noticed, God, but I'm suffering at this point. Like, do I still need to do this right now when I'm not, when I'm not well? And so he writes this passage about this. I'm going to read you 1 Peter 3, 18 through 16. We did four of these verses last week purposefully, and we wanted to repeat them because we felt like they were a part of both preaching. So is that all right with you guys? All right, 1 Peter 3, 18, 8, 8 through 16. Just a real quick reminder. We've now, for the past two weeks, talked about slaves in a culture and women submitting to men and illuminating how God is looking at people in a community who might, because of Jesus' message, be persecuted. Particularly slaves and women, and especially women, had a chance to be very harmed because of this. Because this meant that they were liberated, and now they're in a society that will not take care of them in that liberation. Does that make sense? So lastly, if you want to listen to that podcast, I recommend it or the one before. But now he's talking to the community as a whole about how do you present this Jesus. Finally, all of you have unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless for to this you were called. If you ever wonder what part of your calling is, Part of it is to bless those who do not bless you. So if you're like, I'm just struggling for my calling, right? Like, I went to this conference. Part of your calling is to bless those who do not bless you. You can just write that down, right? 
Number one, bless those who don't bless me. And then preach to thousands of people everywhere. Right? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this is what you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. We'll get into that in a minute. For whoever desires to love life and see good days. This part right here in quotation means it's actually Psalm 34 that he is repeating. Okay? That's what's happening right here. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience or conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Just a tidbit on this. I have abused this passage so many times. When I was a youth pastor, I used to make like kids get up and do stuff they didn't want to do. And I'd be like, are you, are you ready in season and out of season to get up? And are you going to be ready? It's just as a joke, but it really wasn't a joke to them. And I put some kids in some bad spots. So today, in light of that, I've, I've selected a few of you to come up with me. Just kidding. This passage is used by people, like all passages, sometimes to harm sometimes to put people in situations they maybe don't need to be in. The idea behind the passage is this beautiful heart of a loving Savior. That is, and this is where the hardness of this comes, that it is a requirement for you and me, if we profess Christ as Savior, to understand what it is we believe, why we believe it, and have the ability to talk about it, not like morons. But in gentleness and respect, there is no Christian on the planet who is not a part of this. That if you are a Christ follower, something should be so drastically different in you that you can label it when someone asks you. And I'm, I'm not throwing any stones at, at you or even the church in our culture, but most people cannot do this. And that's not for us to say, I know it. Isn't that crazy? We need to. This is an invitation by God. This passage is a reminder. You can know me in a deeper way. You can understand. I'm making things known to you. You don't have to hide under this building to read your Bible today. You're not going to get killed on the way to the store tonight. This is available to you. And for some of us, we have to hit that strong wall that is, this is just what I was raised in, and I just heard what my parents said, and I'm just here because I was supposed to come to church. And then we have to bust that wall down and make it ours. It has to become ours. Because you know when you're listening to anybody about anything when it's not theirs. Just listen to a telemarketer tell you something about whatever it is they're selling. You already know you're not buying it unless we need to meet with you and tell you, I'm sorry. This is one of those things. You have to understand it as yours. It's got to be yours. It's got to be yours. Jesus, I mean, clap. it's always weird to have like a lot less people in a service and have a small amount of people clapping. Then it just feels like I did something weird. But I like it. 
bring it. I can even, I'll even use an ameniter from here and, here and again. We used to have a, when I was at, when I was a youth pastor at Milford Church of God, we used to have this guy that would just go, say that! And I would say it again every time. Was, <laughs> okay. Anybody ever heard that? Say that? <laughs> Scream it, like in the most quiet times. I'd be like, oh my gosh. <sighs> All right. So I'm going to jump into this. So right off the bat, right after you kind of hear these, these things, these six things, they're kind of Peter's idea. Here's the things that we're going to close our fist around. And we all have these things, whether we believe it or not. We all have the things about either the church or Christianity. We're like, I'm locking into that. And if you want to fight me on it, I'm going to use that fist to then punch you. And a lot of the things that we've historically locked around are things we're running from. This is not bad if you want to move away from that. I, I'm one who bites this apple. What are the things we can't? And using those is what we stand on. I've done that so much, right? Like, I'm so done it with myself even calling people out for doing that. I'm just annoyed hearing myself talk about it now. But we do that. Instead of locking into the things we're running into for Jesus. What is it that's so good about this gospel that we're going after it? What is it that's so good that I'm jumping into it? Instead of like, here's what we can't be. What are we getting into? I want to hear that from y'all. I want to see that in your life. I want to see your passion for ze the zeal to be about the, the things of Jesus that spread life across the planet. That's what he's starting with here. So he uses these things that don't even make sense. And you can pull up this list. Unity. Unity. Like this is Jesus' longest prayer. And I've had people tell me before, you need to stop preaching on unity. Start preaching like doctrine. Like this is doctrine. This is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. This is heaven. This will be in, thank you, first timer, that's awesome. I'm going to say it again. This is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so John 17 and a thousand other passages. This is what heaven will look like. When we're there, there will be no division. The New Testament is a strong doctrine against division, so you're one body, you're one temple, all parts have a function. All of the passages, you could just do a Google search and you will not have enough time in your day to read about the unity that Jesus is trying to build into the church. And it's about division because he's inserting unity into a divisive culture and you're going to have problem when's, when's that problems when that happen. Right? My words aren't even unified. Unify my words. Unify. The second thing is sympathy. This is one of the most selfish cultures that has ever been on this planet. And I'm a part of it. It comes out of me all the time. I was buying stuff for Sarah's birthday. I was like, I hope somebody gets me this stuff for my birthday. <laughs> Literally, like not even kidding. That's my thoughts. Like oh, that's all of us, right? So sympathy only operates in someone who is not concerned with themselves. So in a society where it's completely selfish, we are not sympathetic to the needs of others. We don't want to jump into others. That's why funerals are so hard to be at, right? Sympathy is this idea that I will not only understand what's breaking you, but I'm going to insert myself into that. Sympathy cannot exist with selfishness. If you decide, like I do, that I'm going to make my life about me or whatever's going on, you will not be able to be sympathetic. And our Bible tells us we are to be a sympathetic body. Romans 12 spends a good amount of time on if your brother or sister is hurting, be with them. If they're mourning, be with them. Sympathy is the action of the heart of Jesus into people's lives who need hope. 
Does that make sense? Love. Like, I, I got to read you this. And there's some of the strongest verbiage in the Bible built around the idea of loving one another. And it is not polite language. I'm going to read it to you really quick as soon as I can find it because it's not the same page that I'm on right now. So love. And here it's called brotherly love or phileo love. Again, the matter goes back to the words of Jesus. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. By this loving one another, they will know that you are my disciples. So stop real quick. The way that you love the people in this room is how people will know if you're Jesus' disciples. Here the New Testament speaks with unmistakable definitiveness and with almost frightening directness. We know that we have passed out of death to life because we love the brethren. So stop real quick. If what happened from Jesus, his gift to you really happened, the fruit of that is loving the people in this room, which also points to if you love no one other than yourself, the, the actual Jesus things might not have happened, which is an invitation from him to come back and just get some more. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. Next. He who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 1 John 3, 14 through 15. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. 1 John 4, 20. The simple fact is that love of God and the love of man go hand in hand, and the one cannot exist without the other. The simplest test of this reality of Christianity, the man in the church, of a man or church, is whether or not it makes them love their fellow man or woman. This is, this is our proof. Compassion, I talked about this last week. Compassion is the idea of putting deep action into what you're seeing. It's the compassion of the Father was to send Jesus. It's to be able to go through a thing for another person because your heart is breaking for them. We are at, at, at the strongest possible time to lose the ability to do this because our world is breaking and every time we turn on the news there's an active shooter there is violence there are people being killed in other countries there are people being killed in our country there are injustices there are there is racism there's fruit from that and it's every single day we are inundated our kids you want something to do how about play this video game that is literally just killing people for 12 hours like we are creating a society that will not have the ability to have compassion. And this is one of the core central themes and hearts of our Father Jesus, to be able to be compassionate for the other. Does that make sense? Humility. The idea here is for a person to be in a group and realize they are created. None of you created anything. You are all created. And being created, you are dependent. Your very breath is a gift. You did not find your breath today. You did not go find it in the woods. Like, I found my breath today, Sarah. I did a good job, right? Like, your gifts and skill sets, they are not your own. I earned my money. I worked hard. You didn't earn your money. You were gifted with the ability to work in a society and create that, and now you get to respond by being faithful with what he's giving you, right? Like, that I can stand in front of a group of people. Who cares? People can do that all over the world. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with that? Is this dependent on him? Because if it's dependent on me, then what are y'all doing here? Y'all should have more wisdom than that. 
You should have a lot more wisdom if I'm just doing this. Anything that we have. You're a creature. Well, this is just what I'm good at. You're good at it because he put that in you. Like, point it back to him. And then comparison with humility. You don't compare yourself with brother. This is where you take it out, or sister. You take it out of community. You compare yourself with Jesus. Because in that scenario, you never win. You're not going to be like, well, I, Jesus did this. I'm doing the same stuff he did. So we're, like, basically the same. You know, like, no, but you can look at, like, Alex and, like, be like, I totally, I totally don't. I'm not as something as Alex, or I'm way more of this than Alex. And I can like win that or lose that. You don't win with Jesus in that facet. You're always in need. So you need to be humble. I do need to be humble. I do need to approach the table. I do need to kneel. I do need to cry out to him. Prayer is the idea of involving something you can't do on your own, right? This is humility. And then this is all capped off by forgiveness. Receiving it first and then giving it. And this is another strong verse Many verses about if you're unwilling to forgive your brother or sister who has done the thing, then you are not walking in forgiveness from the Father, yourself. So forgive people. That's hard, right? Like this is where if I'm this group, I'm like, I'm not sure if you know this, but they are killing us. Where are the lines? It's not just us, like, give me a new job. Give me a better blessing. Give me this. Give me that. Find me the right relationship. They are dying. My sister last week was killed in this because somebody asked her if she would profess Jesus, and she did. And then she was killed. So, and you want me to forgive them? Yeah, I want you to forgive them. I want you to serve them. I want you to forgive them. I want you to serve them. What? What are you talking about, right? Which gets into retaliation which is our natural response when we are harmed. And it is not hard to retaliate. This past three weeks ago, I was with my friend who's also a pastor in L.A. He planted, he's planting like a super trendy, cooler church. It's a parish, some parish Long Beach. He's also a huge Warren G fan. So it's kind of, I think that's why he actually moved there, because he likes Warren. Anybody know why, why I'm saying that with Warren G? And thank you. So we're riding down the street, and this guy pulls in front of us. He's got to be 187 years old. <laughs> And we pull over in front of him, and the guy's like, hey, why don't you slow down? And me and Teddy are like, hey, why don't you own what you did? That came out of my mouth. The first thing I said, I didn't ask if he's okay. I literally said, why don't you just own what you did? And Teddy was like, yeah, you should own what you did. And we do the pull away thing and go up to the next red light. And he pulls up again. We're like, we're kind of geared up to be ready for our second en route on this. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm really sorry. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. He literally apologized. We were like, you better be. <laughs> Throw a Bible at him. I was like, no, So it is, and we actually had a really great conversation about, like, that's just, in me is this need to not be demeaned. And it's any scenario. So if I'm not demeaning when I'm being attacked, it's always the Holy Spirit and God. Because I used to be a master at retaliation. I could harm you verbally like that. I was going to get underneath you. I've already been studying you well enough to know when this possibly happens. I'm going to be ready to like pounce. And that's all of us in everything. When something happens to us that you do not deserve. Especially somebody talks about your Jesus in a disrespectful way, right? Like you're Jesus. And your response, see, this is what I love about stages, because we have always enjoyed stages as a Christian community, especially in America, because this equals calling. But we don't know that this is not a stage. 
The stages God gives to us are the moments these things happen. The biggest stage you will ever be on in your life is the moment that someone comes against you for something that you don't deserve. You are, you've just been, the stage you've been praying for, God put me in front of people at stages. You just got your biggest stage. And you are front and center, standing in front of people. And how you respond on that stage will be remembered long after how you respond on these stages. The stages that we pray for sometimes look like this, but God gives us ones where we have to respond to people who hate us. And people are being saved daily. Does that make sense? That's our Jesus. So he uses this language about be zealous for our Father. And he's actually it's kind of throwing something at them because there are the zealots, right? You've heard of the zealots. And these are people who are willing to die for their nation, who are willing to do whatever it takes to die for their nation. He's saying, I want you to take that zeal, that zeal that you feel for Israel. And now I want you to transfer the zeal completely over to your father, Jesus, completely over. But your, your weapons aren't weapons to attack. They're weapons like the first things I read to you. Your weapons look different so that when you retaliate, Yes, retaliate. Say retaliate. retaliate. Say, wait, retaliate? wait, retaliate? Nobody's going to do that part because you're going to sound goofy for real? Say retaliate? retaliate? Yes, retaliate rightly. If you retaliate, I was one time a youth pastor, and this is my only good story with this. I've already probably like 10 times probably told you this, but I was in Bloomingdale's. I don't have a good reason why I was in Bloomingdale's. I was just there. And I was looking at T-shirts, and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world if youth ministries had cool T-shirts. That would have been like, profess Jesus as Christ, sweet T-shirt line, gather as a community, and pray. And I was walking around, and I was like, hey, I like this T-shirt. I'm, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. And the guy was like, you Christians are so cheap. That was his words to me. And there was no retaliation in me, so I can't even take credit for this, but I almost felt like the unction of the Holy Spirit give me this ability to not be frustrated with this person. And I agreed with him. I was like, I think for the most part, you're right. We are cheap in a lot of ways. And he followed me around the store, and we had this interesting conversation. He was apologetic. I didn't say anything about how Jesus was Lord and that he's probably going to have to pay for that because I'm one of his chosen, right? Like, I don't know if, he knew, if you know this, buddy, but I'm in the Lord's army, right? I am totally in the Lord's army, and you are not. There's probably angels encamped around us right now ready to destroy you. That's not what I said because I understood the stage. I didn't have my own strength to do it, but I understood what was at stake here. What was at stake was not, I need to protect Jesus. Jesus does not need you to protect him. If there's anything ever that does not need your protection, it's Jesus Christ. He is good to go. But he gives you opportunities to love like he would love every day, everywhere. And he's putting us in a city and in businesses, and he's given us abilities to stand in front of people, and he's asking us, will you profess me? Will you profess Jesus this way? Will you retaliate with humility? Will you retaliate with sympathy? When someone smacks you, will you serve them? Will you retaliate with love, agape love? Will you retaliate giving something knowing this person will never give me anything? Will you retaliate with forgiveness? Right? Retaliate rightly. This creates the best avenue for someone to know who your Jesus is. It is beautiful. 
There's so much that I've missed, and that's okay. And I'll just say this. I am passionate about you being able to explain why you believe what you believe. There, and, and, and I'm not like going to preach the propaganda that says that right now we're in the scariest time ever because just to be honest, I'd rather be in this time than being eaten by another animal. Just for, just for us to know. But we have our opportunity. You get your opportunity. Whether it's 50, 40, 70, 120 years, you get your opportunity to profess Jesus in the way that he's asking you. And you do it with your skill set. You do it with your relationships. You do it with whatever you've got, your bank account. He's given you all those things to profess him in the way that will draw people to him. So that someone might ask why there is hope in you, which is what started happening. People were not responding like they were used to, and people were literally stopping and going, why is there hope in them? (laughs) They're all being killed. What's the reason for the hope that's in you? And then they answered with gentleness, with reverence, and love, and the church flourished. What's the reason for the hope in you? What's the reason? Who are the people right now in your life that are so hard to be around? Who are the people that you feel like you've got, God's given you a mission to destroy their, their thing? That is your stage. Those are the people to love. Those are the people God's calling you to. So here, I'm, I'm going to pray this for you. In worship, you guys can go and come up as a closing. I'm asking you, and you can just look at me for this. Can you pull that list of six things back up? If Christ be your center, whether prophetically hoping to step into it or you're as all in as you can be, which one of these is he asking you to become aggressive with? Which one of these weapons is he saying, I'm putting this in your hand, you wield it and you use it? And watch the enemy be slayed because your brother and sister who are not Christ followers are not your enemy. They're your brother and sister before they accept Christ. And they're not your enemy. In fact, their enemy, if they are not in Christ, is screaming much louder at them than you ever will. And they're looking for an ally. And you are that ally. You are the ally that screams at them. They are adopted. They have identity before they even know it. So which one of these things is he saying? In fact, everybody just hold out your hand. Jesus, you are our Christ. You are our king. Put in our hand which one of these we're to use and where we're supposed to use them. And just in your mind's eye, what's he saying to you? What's he laying in your hands? What is he asking you to wield? Unsheathe it. That was goofy, but unsheathe it. Let's use these things. Father, And once you start using them, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you that would cause you to respond opposite of what they think and watch Jesus work. If you could all stand to your feet, please. Ministry people, if you all want to come up, whoever's doing ministry time. So we're going we're gonna to open up some time for prayer. And I'll just say this to you. <clears throat> we're one of the only groups that will gather. And if you have a need at all, 
like the church of Jesus Christ. You can express it and have people lift it up and go after something bigger than all of you, God, to bring the answers. If you're in a space where you need something that you are unable to do on your own, let us partner with you. All we're going to do is pray. Don't leave this room needing to have prayed and not being prayed for. If it makes you uncomfortable, I would ask that you interact with the Father why and let him speak love into that. And God, I pray as we start just a little bit of ministry time that our community is marked deeply by these six virtues, God, that when people talk of River City Church, they first and foremost say they are taking Jesus Christ centrally to their community and they are doing it through unity, sympathy, love, compassion, humility, and forgiveness. And people are being wrecked for God and love God. And Father, we thank you. Father, I pray a prayer of blessing over your people that we would love well this week, that we would receive fully your love and that we would walk as your children and your identity adopted. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.